0: Friends, of course I go by the name of the kid famous. You and now tuned into to the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show with five, four, three, two, one. Let's go!
1: Hello, friends. It's Tim and Friends for December 20th, 2022. Third night of Hanukkah. Five days till Christmas. Six days to Kwanzaa. And four days till Jesse and I go fishing for a wee bit. A little bit of a vacation for the show. That's right. We will be on a hiatus after Friday's show. But Sportsnet has you covered with a plethora of plays of the year, misplays plays of the year, and poker for your viewing pleasure while we are gone. In the meantime, as always, we will do our absolute best to keep you edutained with the latest and the greatest from the sporting world i'm tim mccallif jesse rubinoff is with me once again will Lou on a reeling raptors squad speaking of reeling we will also get to the vancouver canucks and what's next for them as nick kiprios joins the fray and it's a tuesday so we'll do something that all y'all have tell, been telling us that it's been kind of sort of working i don't mean to brag i don't mean to boast but the segment called smoke or fire is mm. kind of like butter on toast mm. vancouver might need some I smoke mean- or fire to get rid of the snow that they got today I certainly won't be wasting my time telling them how to drive in the snow. I will not do that today. Any anyway, well, doctor, I won't. See, I told you, I won't. <laughs> I told you I won't.
2: Even if we can't roll the video, I won't. That is just that. Couldn't, you couldn't have drawn it up any better.
1: Nah, <laughs> nah. brilliant. Uh, so hope you get out of the snow in a hurry, uh, Vancouver, Best of luck. because yeah, it's tough. They don't get it a lot. They got a lot. Yes. Uh, Canada's new favorite segment, Smoker Fire, in the second hour, 3 p.m. in B.C. with Nick Carbrios. We'll also get you set for the Leafs and Lightning, live from Scotiabank Arena. Sean Reynolds from the Peg as the Jets and Sens get set to square off and the Raptors ready for a rebuild. We'll do that with Will Liu, all on the ledger. But it all starts with Jesse Rubinoff And First Things First, so
2: let it be Tony Taney.
3: <laughs> first Things First.
2: So, they gave you the week off, eh? I'll be doing Central a couple times. Oh,
1: are you doing Central? What'd you you, you, you were quiet. Times. You kind of gave me the look. Yeah. I felt it. I felt your look, Ruben. I felt the energy, eh? I felt, your, I felt your look,
2: and I now understand what that look was for. So, you got a couple Central's on the docket? Yeah, so I think that you deserve a must be nice. What are you going to do for your week off? Uh, nothing planned.
1: I'm going to sit on my Keister. Staycation. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit on my Duff. I'm going to do a lot of duff sitting, and I'm going to do some eating as well. That's good. Yeah, there might be a Christmas meal and, and or two yeah. lined up for the McAuliffe's. We well, deserve it. Do so, I? And yeah. I? I probably disagree with you, but I'm going to take it nonetheless. Really? You disagree? Yeah. yeah, probably. Okay. All right. Yeah. You want to do first things first? I mean, we talk about sports. We live a pretty privileged life. Yeah, no, there's, you know there's no saying? question like, about that. I'm not going to yeah, argue that. Yeah, yeah. like are, I'm not calling you out. You're working more than me over the holiday season. It's, it's like two days. I, I am going to give you that. just for no reason. Yeah. Well, you're yeah. making me feel guilty. Yeah, I, yeah. I understand that. Brilliant. But, but in the end, in Mind the gives. end, we are talking about sports for a living a yes. pretty damn good.
2: We actually, yeah, we enjoy yeah. it, which yeah. is, uh, <laughs> it's and we enjoy first things first. So why yeah. don't we get on with that? It is tough times in the lower mainland, and we're not talking about the weather. Last night, the Canucks dropped their third straight game at home, 5-1 to the Blues. Many fans headed for the exits early, and those that stayed booed the Canucks off the ice. There were also a couple paper bags. Yeah, look at that. Sell the team. Uh Uh-oh. Yikes. It all seems to be wearing on the players. Yeah.
4: Yeah, I'm running out of things to say here, guys. Um, Obviously, another uh, poor effort by us tonight, and that's the result right there. It's not fun. You know, we play like a completely different team on the road, and like I said uh, earlier, I don't know if we're, you know, pushing too hard at home to, you know, not get booed out of our building every night. Um, And I think it's just turning on us right now, and we're just kind of running around with our heads cut off a little bit too much. Um, And, you know, that's, again, the result tonight.
2: All right, a little bit uh, ground to hog day here, but we've been talking about the situation for weeks. So where do the Canucks go from here? Right, let's start it's not with the good. numbers.
1: Yeah, the numbers aren't good. Five, nine, and one at home—that's part of the equation, right? Five wins and fifteen home games this year. They have just as many wins as they do five-one losses this year. Ponder that for a moment. They have lost five-one at home five times this year. They have won at home five times this year. They've lost six of their last eight at home, and the last five losses have been by three or more goals. What that tells me is that they're not close, and it's like no wonder the fans are wearing bags over their heads. No wonder uh, they're booing them off the ice, and it's hard for me, and I'm guessing as a GM or an owner, that when the Canucks and Flames are separated by five points in the standings and the Canucks have a game in hand and their fan bases are so far apart. Mm. I get how that would be hard like one fan base is screaming tear it down rebuild. The other one is pretty happy with what they have right now. Like that's got to be tough. There's some real high end talent and that's the problem with the Vancouver Canucks right now. And it's it's a decent problem to have, especially if you decide to rebuild this. You have some real high-end talent that other teams would want. And I won't even put Brock Besser into the equation. Like, Elias Patterson seems like the only untouchable. He's 24 years old. He only has one more year after this on his contract. Hughes is 23. He's got four more years after this year. And Demco's 27. He's got three more years after this year. And Thomas Drance in The Athletic. I thought, put it very well when he said, How does this Canucks sporting cast, supporting cast, get both significantly better and significantly cheaper all at once? And the answer is, it's impossible. (laughs) They cannot do that, and they're not good enough as currently constituted. So the end result here is no matter what you think of your talent, you've got to make some changes. And for the Vancouver Canucks, it's just how and when. Like, it's obvious that Rutherford and Alvin inherited this, but it's also obvious that they were poised with the task of building this on the go. That's Mm -hmm. why you've never heard the term "rebuild" from. I mean, that was. If you thought that was just a rumor, like, consider it locked and loaded right now, right? Yeah. They're not rebuilding there, but they do have significant pieces that they can move and try and fast-forward a rebuild, and that's maybe the silver
2: lining in all this. Like Bo Horvat's going to get you something. Yeah, but is he going to get you enough to kickstart something real, like a a retool on the fly? But is, is the reason they're not rebuilding is because the ownership group doesn't want to rebuild? The the reason they're not rebuilding
1: is because that parody that I talked about with the Calgary Flames and the Vancouver Canucks Mm -hmm. makes you feel like you're closer than you actually are. That if you get in, you have that chip and a chance, as the old poker terminology goes, because I know some of you were watching poker before this show. (laughs) You got a chip, you got a chance. And that's the way Francesco Aquilini and this ownership group have been operating for a while, and
2: that's why the fan base thinks that they've been middling for an even longer time, right, right. That so so. At some point, you gotta f- you gotta say, okay, we have been trying the same strategy over and over, which that's is li- over limping into the postseason and then hoping for the best. And clearly, that's not working. You're not even probably gonna get there this season. So, and and speak. You have the potential first overall pick, who's looming large in the fan bases heads. Probably like, as there? I can't imagine. I can't remember a more obvious like tanking, rebuilding situation. I haven't seen one in a long time like this. It's yeah, just staring I, them in the face.
1: Yeah, but I think there's also, it's staring in the face of the Chicago Blackhawks, the Anaheim it's Ducks. A lot the, of teams that want to take Yeah, for there's it. a lot of teams that feel the Columbus Blue Jackets, name your team there. They all want them, and they all know that they're not going anywhere. Yeah. So, listen, what you're saying, I agree with, and what I'm saying is it's over. Like, I don't know how many times I have to say this with this franchise. If they show you what they are, believe them. Yeah. Right, and I did it with Jim Benning, and now I'm doing it with this team. They they have gotten ample opportunity to show you whether or not they are the team that finished last year and they have been unable to do so. So you've got to start chipping away at this. And the natural first couple of selections are probably Bo Horvat and others. Brock Besser, how much how much money. Do you retain in any of these deals in order to get more young pieces in the hopes of getting enough talent that can join this team quickly so that Elias Pedersen, who everyone knows is really good, isn't 45 by the time they rebuild?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a great point. The, the J.T. Miller, that's why the J.T. Miller signing for me and I, and I think most people was kind of an eyebrow raiser because it was like, what... What about Ilya Mikheyev? What, yeah, what, is, what direction are we going? And, were, and that's the frustration, right, with the fans. There's no direction. There hasn't been for a long time. There was a double down in the offseason. Yeah, yeah. which is bizarre for a team that is where they were. Well, it's the magic words, right?
1: What was it, 32-15 and whatever? Yeah. Like, what were the, the phrase that pays in yeah. Vancouver that you heard all season long? And I guarantee you, ownership and listen... This is not I don't have this on a source or anything like this but ownership saw the exact same thing we all saw and said well this team can be good mm-hmm. because of that finish and that's why
2: Alvin and Rutherford have tried to play the middle game. Yes with Bruce Boudreaux and everybody else. This provides the opportunity for a very good segue because the Winnipeg Jets and the Vancouver Canucks both sort of remained status quo during the offseason. Yeah the Jets have been really good. And that has worked out for them. The Canucks, not so much. The Jets now going to have to deal with some adversity, though, because Blake Wheeler headed to the injured reserve out at least a month groin surgery after Thursday's win over the Nashville. Yeah,
1: you add that to Nate Schmidt and what you have, Nate Schmidt, for those who don't know, out four to six weeks after getting hit in the head. What you have is a taste of adversity for the Jets, for sure. But, Jesse, how how tough do you got to be to take a shot that requires (laughs) surgery
2: and still finish the game? Like still, I don't know co- how that's possible. To be honest, I, I have no idea how, can how skate? it's possible. How can you skate? Like how do you? I, I don't understand it. No clue.
1: Absolutely no clue. And we talked to Josh Morrissey last week, and he talked about what Blake Wheeler did for him. Mm-hmm. And like I got a new perspective on the Wheeler thing over talking to a few of those players over the last little while. And while well, everyone kind of sort of had him as the head of the snake that you needed to take out of Winnipeg, there were some real leadership qualities that may have been, like, when guys, I do this sometimes, when guys take things too seriously, they can drag everyone down with them sometimes, but when you put them in a spot where there isn't as much pressure on them, they can thrive. And I think Blake Wheeler was doing that. So the the Jets have gotten off to this really good start. They did make a couple moves at the deadline last year. Um, we'll throw that aside but this will be their first taste of adversity and we'll see how they how they respond to this one without Wheeler who like it or not is still probably the head of that snake and
2: Nate Schmidt we will check in with Sean Reynolds a little bit later in the show but there is one more hockey story to get to did you happen to see Kale McCarr yesterday Uh, falls to the ice there's about to be a penalty and Kale McCarr says no 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 I slipped Barzal doesn't deserve a penalty here. Um, what did you make of this when you saw it for the first time?
1: I had an American friend reach out and say, we have reached peak Canadian with a link <laughs> to this story. Like, Not only did he wave off the penalty, but after the game, <laughs> he said that he apologized to his teammates. Yeah. I mean, Dear God, like the only way that he could be more Canadian was if he was sipping a double-double from Timmy's and smashing a poutine while apologizing to his teammates. Like, I don't know, you know, like pigeons that I used to play with in Junior A, they used to call this one. I'm not letting this one go down. That's not a penalty, eh? So this is, to me,
2: peak Canadian from Cal McCart. I kind of sort of like it. Yeah, t- the-, the cynic in me is well, Kale McCarr, honest hockey player, good guy, but he's just making a play for the Lady Bing. Who makes a play for the Lady Bing? It's a trophy. <laughs> Nobody makes a play. for He's got for a, it. a-, a blossoming no trophy thing. case, and he could just add another one. Just, I think he's gonna win it because has he
1: won the Lady Bing? That's uh, a good question. I don't think so. And Ovi's done this before. Right. Uh, we have video evidence of O V doing against the Washington Capitals, <laughs> or against the Vegas, Vegas Golden, Golden Knights. He this plays last for the Washington year. Capitals. Yeah.
2: yeah. This was last season. He just lost his balance. He, he declined the penalty as well. It's so funny. It, it is just so funny that, that Makar felt like he was doing the, the right thing, obviously, but then had the need... Felt the need to go and apologize to his teammates because he gave (laughs) up. That's why it's it's just Canadian. The whole thing is just
1: so perfect. Yeah, I've seen guys do that in soccer too. Even with all the diving and everyone calling them like that's
2: the opposite of a dive, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The soccer one's surprising because that that's more of an art, right? Like you're you're trying to draw. No, but like sometimes it's just so so punishing that
1: sometimes when the referee just gets, I saw one where a guy thought the play was called dead, mm-hmm. and he picked up the ball, and that's a handball on the box, and right. it should have been a penalty, and they just kicked it wide. Like, I've seen it happen before. So, it, it's happened in other sports. It's not just Canada. It's not just hockey, even though hockey culture definitely wants to claim this <laughs> one. I've seen it in other sports, but it is a, a
2: very good moment. Fair play. Cool Fair play to Kale McCarr. Would you Hegrity. be pissed off? I'm going to ask Kiprios later. Like, As a teammate? Yeah. Nah. I'd be willing to look past it. I feel like Kale McCart is just a, an awesome dude. And yeah. <laughs> probably a great presence in the room, too. So you just say, nah, he's a good guy. And, and, and a pretty good player. So and it'd be. Decent. Yeah. yeah what be, are you gonna say to Kale McCart? It'd be tough to go after yeah. Kale McCart. Well, exactly. Hey, listen, we need the power play. Don't worry, I'll score one. Yeah, yeah. no, he's uh he's got it under control. Uh, okay. We talked about the Canucks who are teetering on the brink of perhaps uh, some sort of rebuild, retool. There's a team in the NBA. Specifically the Toronto Raptors that might be in that boat as well. They've lost six straight for the first time in more than a decade after losing 104-101 in overtime to the Sixers last night. Pascal Siakam had one of his best games of the season. 38 points, 15 boards, 6 assists. But it still wasn't enough, Timmy. we talked a lot about the Raptors' struggles. Does a close game on the road against a good team give you any reason for optimism?
1: Were you chuckling because you don't believe in the idea that they should get... Because...
2: Well... Mm,
1: they am waffling on it. It felt like they played for their season.
2: Yeah, and,
1: they played hard. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, and it's because their season was on the line. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like there was something oh, one there. game? You think,
2: like, last night was...
1: was... Yeah, like, I think they, they knew what happened against Golden State. I think they knew what they were walking into. I think that's why OGN and OB ended up playing in that game as well. And I think that they understood kind of sort of what's on the line here. Now, in the end, if, if we're asking for optimism for this team, not really. Tyrese Maxey, noted Raptor killer. Uh, wasn't playing for the Philadelphia 76ers Uh, that's six in a row the schedule doesn't ease up they're still facing a bunch of teams uh, that are ahead of them in the standings they've struggled against teams that are ahead of them in the standings. I mean the one stat that I saw people throw out there that makes me wonder a wee bit depending on what you think of execution late is that the Raptors are one in six in games decided by three points or less so if they had of one A couple of those six losses, would this be a different outlook on the season? But that's also a product of not being able to hit a shot. Is it not? Yeah. They went one for nine in the overtime frame. That's their MO right now. That like it was basically two teams They played defense in the overtime frame. Philadelphia hit two shots. Toronto hit one. That was the difference in the game. And and that's been the difference for this team. Listen. We've we've talked about this a lot. I I don't know that at the end of this stretch, the Raptors will be better off than they started it. And the stretch, what I mean is when they started it, 13 straight games Mm -hmm. against teams 500 or above. Now, we've had a couple teams drop below 500 in this stretch, but they're still ahead of the Raptors in the standings my my outlook on this hasn't changed and I
2: don't think Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster's outlook yeah. has changed on this at all. It feels like the inconsistency is just it's maddening, right? It's like one night the offense is going defense is in. next night it's the opposite and last night Pascal played his heart out and Fred and, and Scotty who were supposed to be huge parts of this team can't shoot at all and it's like it, it, you're not going to win consistently when you have those kinds of shooting performances which have become Somewhat regular these days. But in the same breath, like, has it changed from years past? Even last
1: year, you you had to rely on Freddie, Mm -hmm. Pascal, and Scotty to win you games. And every once in a while, Gary Trent might jump into the mix, but that's been basically the MO for a year and a half. And if Mm -hmm. they don't play their ass off in 42 minutes, they're in trouble. Yeah. And that's kind of been the same thing the entire time. It's just. That's the part that's changed this year, is that they can't shoot it from outside. And when this team
2: can't shoot it from outside, you're going to lose as many games as they've lost. Uh, An interesting tweet from Aaron Rose, who covers the Raptors. He said, I was curious to know if the Raps have ever had a six-game losing streak in a winning season. The answer is yes. In 2006-07, losing six straight early in the year, then finished 47-35. Ads don't count on it. They don't. They don't look particularly good at the moment. So the question becomes then, what like what's next?
1: Yeah, right? what's next is the is the question, and you and I have been talking about Gary Trent Jr. probably mm-hmm. being the first shoe to drop here, if in fact change is coming to the Toronto Raptors. Uh, Zach Lowe's podcast, ESPN, uh, the the Low Post. He was talking about the Knicks with Ian Bagley, and. He was going down the same road that you and I have, mm-hmm. which is Gary Trent Jr. is the one. If they can somehow find it here in the next little while, that might ease the pressure on the Toronto Raptors. But they walked the Gary Trent road, and then a step further as OG Ananobi's name came Ooh.
0: out. Everybody is watching Toronto. Mm-hmm. I, I said it last week. Maybe it's – and my official Toronto prediction was, A, they stabilize, and B – if they make a move, it'll be Gary Trent and that's it. Mm-hmm. But if I'm the Knicks and I missed my first big shot at Donovan Mitchell or didn't take it, you said the name OG Ananobi. If I'm them, that's a guy I would look really, really hard at. The entire league wants OG Ananobi. Oh, yeah. Everybody wants OG Ananobi. Mm-hmm. And if he ever gets traded, the price in picks or whatever is going to surprise people because it might be on par almost with what the Cavs gave up for Donovan Mitchell. Like, it's going to be a lot.
1: Okay, for those who don't remember what the Cavs gave up for Donovan Mitchell, it is significant. First round picks and pick swaps for Donovan Mitchell. If that's on the board, does that change your opinion of what the Raptors do with a 25 year old OG Ananobi?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, OG's fantastic. He's a fantastic player. But from a business perspective, the, the on, if that's the return, the onus is on the front office to do what's best for the team moving forward. And when you have Gary Trent and Fred coming off the books, unsure of what you're going to do with them, obviously Gary Trent being rumored in trade talks, mm-hmm. that feels like the direction that they would have to go is collect assets. I don't know how you couldn't do that. But he's the youngest
1: of the three. Like, we talked about it had to be on... Pascal, Freddie, Scotty, and and sometimes OG, sometimes Gary Trent. If you get rid of him, that's the youngest of Pascal and Fred. Yeah, I understand. And and should you go the other way, if you're going to tear it all down, Will Lou's going to come mm-hmm. on the show. We'll ask him that very question and walk the same road. And you can jump in as well.
2: No, that's fantastic. It's just it's fascinating uh, content. Yeah. That would be a big return. I do have to give a shout out to Shea Gilgis-Alexander who just continues to get it done. Another buzzer beater last night. This guy is quickly becoming one of, if not the best clutch players in the National Basketball Association. I know that we've been bigging up Shea all year long, but somehow it still feels like he's not getting the due that he deserves. He leads the
1: NBA in clutch points, which is go. game within five
2: points, final five minutes of the
1: game. Um... You look at that list, it's a little surprising all around, to be perfectly honest with you. (laughs) Uh, But the fact that Shea Gilgis-Alexander is at the top of it adds to what is a growing resume and another win for OKC. I told you, if they win a few more games, he's going to start creeping into that MVP conversation.
2: Well, those fans that wanted uh, Shea to come to Toronto... Uh, that ship is probably yeah, sailed. He's a little bit too good now. Yeah, You're going to get a little bit more of a, of a return than <laughs> exactly. OG Ananobi. A little bit. And or Donovan. Like a sure. whole roster. Just <laughs> send the entire team that way. Uh, Will Lou, as Tim mentioned, coming up a little bit later to continue the Raptors conversation. For now, we go to the NFL. The Packers beat the Rams 24-12 on Monday Night Football as Green Bay kept their postseason hopes alive with Week 15 in the books. The playoff picture is beginning to take shape, so what's the most important question to be answered over the next three weeks coming down the home stretch here, Timmy. There's
1: obviously a lot. I think I heard a chuckle in your voice when you asked the question. A little bit I Should a I lot. go with Jalen Hurts? Wow. Because there is rumors that he's gonna miss the next two weeks. There's also rumors that it's his throwing shoulder. There's also rumors that they just want to rest him. They're also going to get a bye with one more win. And Bette Rivers has already responded. Like if you and I were to talk right now. Jalen Hurts should be your MVP, should he not?
2: Yeah, uh, Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni saying this today. He's not ruling out Jalen Hurts for this week because he's a fast healer. Quote, his body is not like ours. I will not rule him out. I mean, tell us something we don't know, coach. We know his body is not like ours. But yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any question. Mahomes has been fantastic uh, as usual, Mm -hmm. but this guy is the difference. He's him, as they say. I un- understood, and this season. throw
1: was with the sprained shoulder, but there's a reason why Patrick Mahomes is now minus money. Like, Bet Rivers isn't in the business of losing money. The reason they're doing that is they think he's not that play. Jalen Hurts is not going to play. Yeah. You say he's the MVP right now. I say he's the MVP right now. And yet, the numbers suggest you either you're getting really good value on Jalen Hurts right now, yeah. or... They believe that Jalen Hurts is going to sit out because it makes sense for the Philadelphia Eagles to sit Jalen Hurts. Now, I know that there are people in their fantasy pools right now cursing because this is their playoffs and their finals over the next two weeks. And if Jalen Hurts sits, that will Jalen Hurts your squad. So I will just say this, Jalen Hurts playing – and being healthy might be the biggest question mark in the NFL right now because of that. Don't you
2: think it's a bit bizarre that Mahomes would be where he is? Like hurts I know if he doesn't play, like there's he's one loss. They've one loss in the season. Like he, his job is essentially done. If Gardner Minshew steps in and they win, they win out. Like how does how is Hurts not the MVP? Wow, They're not seen enough.
1: That, that's a big if. If Minshew yeah, steps the in Cowboys, and yeah. they win out, like yeah. that's a lot. To but ask. even if
2: they lose. Even then it just shows boy. how important Hurts is to the Eagles. Valuable?
1: Yeah, I think when the final numbers come in, Mahomes will be so far ahead. If because he of plays, raw numbers. Yeah, if yeah. he plays these last three games, that that could skew the number. It's but fascinating. Would, would you ask me if I would still place my vote for, it would, I would have to see what Patrick Mahomes does over these final three games. He's pretty good. Versus what Hurts has done. They're both pretty good. I'm a fan of Give them. Give him credit. Yeah. All right, still to come, we'll let you know how you can win our final red. Tim and Friends hoodie oh. really, we got an idea from our friend Jimmy and we're going to give away one more of these hoodies uh, to someone doing good work in the community okay Nick is in studio for the final half as we tee up the night on the ice plus a little smoke or fire and after the break Will Lou from the Raptors show will join us to discuss the Raptors mounting issues and perhaps some questions about the future Tim and Friends on a Tuesday let's go.
5: What a hit in the corner flying.
1: I'm M-D-A. I'm M-D-A.
5: I'm M-D-A. I'm M-D-A. Here's Bedard dancing through center ice, works his way in. Bedard still on it. Drops that back. A chase for right. What a play by Connor Bedard.
0: Penalty coming up on Barzell. McCarr tried to say no. There is no penalty. There's no penalty on the play. Kale McCarr actually. Walk the referee out of it. You don't see that very often.
1: The Raptors right now are going through some things. He's
3: not used to
4: seeing this from now.
1: It's like five guys on five separate islands out there.
5: The Toronto Raptors trying to end a five game slide. Fred, oh, what a great look. And Kim perch rises up with a two-handed slam. Losing B down the lane with the hammer. Joel Embiid
0: is playing at an MVP level once again. Pascal pulls up.
5: Got it! Siakam ties it at 78. Pascal, oh, feeling it. 35 for Siakam. A two to tie, a three will win it. Siakam
4: scoops shot, oh! What a move over time. Pascal, he's going to play for the tie,
5: and it doesn't go. Toronto Raptors fall to Philadelphia.
1: Six in a row for the Toronto Raptors. I have, uh, I have enlisted the services of Will Lou. If you don't know him, the Raptor show yeah. with Will Lou, Sportsnet 590, The Fan Weekdays 2 to 3. I've written all this down. Sportsnet 360 and the Sportsnet YouTube channel live and on demand. You have got it covered if a Raptor fan wants to watch you and or any of your content.
3: Yeah, you don't even have the post-game show on there, you know? Like, yeah. after every game, there's every a... Every game, there's a podcast. It's a lot of work. Yeah, That's yeah. A lot it's, of work. it's a lot of yeah. saying that Fred VanVleet shot two to 11 of them. So. <laughs> <laughs> all <laughs> I
1: mean, right, so guys guys Let, let's, <laughs> let's skip that chit-chat. Let's jump right in, because I feel like we're all in the same spot, and that is there are pieces that are wrong with this team right now. Obviously, there are a few injuries, but where are you on the overall season and kind of sort of... Where are you going next because of it?
3: Yeah, I think they actually started the season okay. Um, there were a couple of games that you were a little disappointed to see them drop when MB didn't play the second time they played Philly, and they still got blown out because Maxi had like 40-plus. You know, you were disappointed. You know, the first time you went to Brooklyn, they were still in turmoil. You lost that game. You were a little bit disappointed. But for the most part, you could accept it because look at Pascal. Pascal is giving you triple-doubles every single night, right. and you're like, if he's going to do this – and the rest of our guys are what they are, this, this season's going to be fine. And then, of course, Pascal gets injured, and it's like, okay, we'll kind of hold off. We'll, well, hopefully some of the other guys pop off. They didn't really do that, aside from OG. And now you just look at it, it's still just kind of Pascal by himself as you're watching these highlights. I mean, he did everything he could last night, offensively, defensively. He was their leading rebounder. He hit the most threes, he scored the most points, had the most assists. Um, but he doesn't get enough support, and those guys, who should be his number two, whether it's Scotty Barnes, the expectation from the front office, the expectation from the coaching staff, his own personal expectation was probably jump into that next step, yeah. right? Want to become an all-star this year, want to make all defensive teams, all that kind of stuff. That jump hasn't happened yet. And then for Feb Van Vliet, the return back to when he was an all-star last year. Last year at this time, when we are watching the broadcast, Matt Devlin's, you know, screaming Freddie All-Star every other shot. I mean, look, uh, it's not happening right now, right? So it's until one of those two things happen and someone steps up consistently as a number two for Pascal, it's just kind of this frustrated feeling where you look at the Raptors and you're just like, they're playing less than what their talent should be. So so that's your reaction to it. And and mine was, like I said a couple days
1: ago here, that I thought this kind of sort of felt like the days before DeMar DeRozan was dealt where you looked at this team and you said, okay, what's the ceiling here? Mm -hmm. And is the ceiling good enough to win championships? And I just, I wonder if like, okay, I'll separate these two ideas. What do you think they should do? And what do you think they will do? Let's start with what they should do. I
3: think what they should do is really look to improve two positions on the team. Um, I think first off, the center position has just gone underserved. Ever since Mark and Serge, who won the championship before you left, the list of centers who have played for the Toronto Raptors has just not been adequate. Just, just not adequate. Mm-hmm. Like we had Christian Cloco who finally got his first DNP of the night uh, on the entire season. He had been the only Raptor to play every single game. I was looking through his game logs. He had 19 games with either one made basket or zero. Right. That's a lot of the season. That's two thirds of the season that he's played with only one basket. So it's a lot of Sam Mitchell zeros. It's kind of like that. It's not his fault because, you know, for a guy who's in a second-round pick, like, you know, you're not supposed to be starting him, but you look at the other options at center, they're not much better. You need to improve the center position because long-term, if your core three are going to be Scotty, OG, and Pascal, none of those three guys are willing to play center or even are best-suited playing center. So you need to bring a center for them. And then, honestly, it should be a core four with Fred, but right now you're looking at his production, you're just thinking it's too inconsistent right now. And especially if the three-point shot doesn't come around, you need to find a better guard to then surround with Pascal because that's how you build great NBA teams. You have a great guard. You have a great forward. Pair them together. Give them some defense around it. Usually that works, right? And you theoretically have that on paper if you had last year's Fred and this year's Pascal. But clearly this year's Fred is not last year's Fred. So what do you think they will do? I mean, I think they'll probably look to uh, move Gary. You know, I think the signs there are that they've moved them to the bench now, Um, you know, and that's the one piece where you look at it like, okay, if that's the one starter you want to take out of the lineup and bring a center in, which is exactly what they did, is that they took Gary out and then they put Christian in. Yes, Christian's not providing, you know, because he's obviously just not ready yet. Mm -hmm. Ideally, you get someone who can play center for you consistently into that starting lineup. And, of course, that's probably just going to cost you something to do so. The starter that would be going out probably would be Gary. But then again, if they continue to like bottom out here, that kind of marginal move, whether it's like a Yakker portal or whether it's like a Miles Turner or whichever unnamed center joins the free agency market or the trade market, mm-hmm. um, that might not be enough to rescue this whole situation, right? right. I think bottom line, you need Fred and Scotty to start turning around immediately. So let, let's talk about... Ben, I mean, we just heard Zach Lowe
1: talk about what OG Ananobi would be worth uh, on the trade market, and I don't know if a few Raptors fans had their eyes open to that, but you know as well as I do that every team in the league looks for a guy like OG Ananobi, and he's only 25 years old. And I love Fred Van Vliet as a player. I love what he brings to the team's culture. Uh, He is what the Raptors use to sell themselves to other players. Look what you can become if you put the work in. And I think that's sometimes underappreciated. And it feels like there's a tough decision not just on Gary Trent Jr., but on whether or not those two guys, O.G. Ananobi and or Fred Van Vliet, are a part of the long-term solution here. Do you think they are?
3: I think think O.G. is definitely, and I think Fred can be, but right now – Fred has not shown it this season, right? We've seen good games. Let's let's not be ignorant of the fact that no, he literally he had, had three in a row there. Yeah. yeah, he had a really really nice stretch there was scoring 39 points. You know, it, it was it was looking great. If anything, those games was like Pascal didn't do enough to help him win some of those games against Brooklyn or against uh, Sacramento. But. Yeah, I think to me it's like, you know, you look at the game last night, for example, the one guy that the Sixers were looking to target defensively was Fred, yeah. right? It wasn't Scotty, it wasn't OG, it wasn't Pascal. They were trying to attack Fred because he's the smallest guy on the floor. That's not an unusual thing. We do see that occasionally in other matchups. And I think Fred's a really good help defender. He's a really good off-ball defender. He's able to disrupt a lot of plays. We've all seen the heavy, the heavy hands. hands yeah. We're not unappreciative of all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, he's got to get to that level where he's hitting threes, where he's able to defend his position, cause a lot of turnovers. And then then we probably wouldn't have as many issues this season, and we probably wouldn't be having this trade discussion. But... If he doesn't get back to that level, then yeah, what is the guard talent on this roster, right? You have all these six-nine athletes. You know, you probably ideally get a seven-foot shot uh, protector, rim protector. Mm-hmm. But who is that guard that's going to be here for you, right? If Gary's going to be moved, if Fred's not here long-term, if Malachi is, I mean, he's just okay, really, right, right. now. Um, and obviously, there's some trust
1: issues with Malachi and Nick Nurse and/or the well, franchise because he doesn't get minutes until you absolutely, positively need him. I mean, that's the truth.
3: He, well, there was a before he got a lot of minutes here. He he went through a 10 game stretch where he had four DMPs. Yeah. And the other six games, the most minutes he played was six minutes. Right. So, so there's
1: obviously something there.
3: Yeah. But then he went from that to like, I'm gonna close the game against <laughs> Brooklyn. Right. All right. And you're gonna be out there for 35 plus minutes. And then the next game, we're gonna start you in the second half. And it's like, all right, well, what's the plan here, you know? But ultimately, yeah, I think the front office needs to balance out the roster. There's, like, some clear talent issues at guard and at center.
1: So when, when do you think the hard decisions need to be made?
3: I think probably towards the end of January. I think right now Are well, you giving that,
1: that much time, yeah.
3: Well, I mean, look, it's just the reality of it. Like, I, I don't know how many teams right now are specifically looking to trade away all their pieces, right? When you're looking at who's, like, clear-cut tanking – Probably like four or five teams at the moment. Mm-hmm. At the end of the season, it'll probably balloon up to ten, as we usually see right. over the course of any season. Usually ten teams will tank. But right now, there's so many teams bunched around 500. I don't see a lot of teams being that eager to break up their team. Even a team like Indiana, who have good trade assets available, in like a Miles Turner who could help the Raptors. Right. They have a better record than the Raptors. You know, right. It's Indiana. They got, they got a young team. They might just say, look, we have all these talented Canadians you know, we're just going to continue to roll it out. Also, by the yeah. way, all the talented Canadians in the NBA, how many of them are the Toronto Raptors? You know, like uh, all this uh, homegrown talent in the backyard is yeah. just going to the States. What's happening?
1: That's interesting.
3: Bring them home. Bring them home?
1: Mm-hmm. I, I, the one thing I will say is like, I know, I know what you're saying about the team's not ready to tank. I wonder if the Raptors decide that they're going the other way and if they do what the yeah. value is there. Well, and that's the toughest decision. I'm not asking you to uh, answer of course, that. Of course, of course. But
3: that's the toughest. Because if they decide that, then all that value is theirs. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. I hear you on that. The, the one thing I would say is the last time we, we, we saw the situation was in Tampa. Mm-hmm. And the Raptors literally had to go through a whole month of not winning. Right. Now, they're working on it right now in December. <laughs> all right? right. I don't count that Lakers win as a win. I'm but sorry. They,
1: but even then, they kept Lowry. Like, I'm saying. Yeah. 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 Well. If, if you
3: decide it's not there. I mean, look, I think that's a dramatic next step. I think th- there's no scenario for me where I want to trade Scotty, where I want to trade Pascal. Right. right? I, I, for me personally, at worst, if the price is so good for OG that it really makes you overwhelmed, maybe you look at it. To me, honestly, I would like to build with him as a core piece as well. But, you know, I, I just don't think you move a guy like Pascal. I just think that he's at a level right now where yeah. he's comfortable here. He's such a good player. It's it's about complimenting a top twenty player like that. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm like suggesting
1: that. that, but if you see the picks that you could get for say an OG and an Obi, that could uh, expedite some things along. Here. Hey, appreciate you just stopping by and talking Raptors with us. Of course, anytime. Uh, you can check this man out uh, on the Raptors Show with Will Lou. It is Will Lou, and after every game, there's a podcast. Go get it wherever you get good podcast. All right, on the other side, the party is raging in Argentina. We'll check in on some of the scenes and give McAuliffe a little PTSD. Plus, the Masters makes a ruling on live golf players, and it's not really surprising. They're going. The Masters likes money. It's all Max and
2: Thanks. Welcome back to Tim and Friends, the party is going strong in Argentina as the players and the entire country enjoy a national holiday today and celebrate their first World Cup title since 1986, a party that's sure to go on for a while longer as Leo Messi and all of Argentina soak up their moment. Estimates say around 5 million people are taking part. Five million. Million, with an M are taking part in the party in Buenos Aires. So many people that the team couldn't reach its destination in the center of the city, which is not really surprising when you think about the number of people. They were evacuated from their bus and flown out by helicopter, Tim, (laughs) by helicopter. Uh, Yesterday was a crazy busy show. Is there anything else from the World Cup final that you think we should get to? Um,
1: whether or not penalties is the way to decide something like that is right up there on par with the idea that Salt Bay was actually walking around the right. pitch trying to steal the thunder from El Campeon del Mundo. Messi
2: like, says, who are you, basically? He grabs
1: Messi <laughs> twice and Messi won't give him the time of day. He should get another World Cup for that. He should yeah. get half of a golden boot for passing off salt. They like, and then this guy has the audacity to go to other people, steal the cup. Like, this dude's celebrity comes from trickling salt on meat.
2: Yeah, I mean, am, am I right on that? You are right on that. Uh, I mean, I get, he's a chef, obviously, and has restaurants, obviously. Part of me is like good for him that he was able to, to accomplish all of this. When your your like, party trick is to put salt on meat. He slices beef very well too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I shouldn't. I shouldn't completely. Right. So crush like, the is dude. it half of me is like this is the most ridiculous thing I've seen in a very long time. Like, why and is this guy on the field? And the other half of me is like, how did he pull this off? Like, credit to him. And living his best life. Right. Like no. he looks, this suit no, looks No, that, that's, that, that's egregious. Like, they, <laughs> they've spent
1: their entire life attempting to win this trophy, and there you are asking to take it away from the men that have spent their
0: entire life
1: yeah. trying to win this trophy, all because you're friends, by the way, yeah. with Gianni
2: Infantino. Right. <laughs> says no to the, to the, kids, the guy's son, yeah. but he's allowed to grab it. <laughs> he had nothing to do with it. He's not a family that member. He's just a random dude. It's I gotta absurd. Start, I got to start. Well, he needed to get his Instagram, right? Maybe we need to sprinkle salt on no, meat no, moving no. forward here on the show. Maybe <laughs> bring us a little bit of clout. Uh, okay. Moving on from Salt Bay. Uh, we may be knee-deep in winter, Demi, but I'm already dreaming of the Masters theme. I have the alarm, as per usual, waking me up every single morning as you hear it. Uh, some news today. About three and a half months from the Masters as Chairman Fred Ridley announced that live golf players will be invited to compete in the 2023 tournament. I am playing this straight off my phone. This is how I wake up every morning. Are we good with the live players playing at the masters? Are we going to do this every year? With my alarm clock or with the lift? Well, no, no,
1: I know that you do that with the alarm <laughs> clock every year. I'm talking about with the live golfers. Like, are we going to have this back and forth? And this is what the Masters has always done. Like, they've kind of operated independently of the PGA Tour. Yep. They own everything that is involved with them. And they've always sent invites out to the best golfers in the world. And if they accept, they come. And that's what they're doing here. Now, Will... Less players from the Live Tour qualify for invites that come from the Masters. We'll have to see for the next little while. But being shocked that the Masters is just inviting the most money and the most prestige to their event is is borderline insane. Because that's exactly what they've done for the entirety of the Masters.
2: Well, it's obviously self-serving, but also the tournament is better off having these guys there just is from a talent perspective from a player
1: without perspective. a doubt and we did we expect that they'd do anything different no
2: no, no. They, no. it helps them it, it you know in a roundabout way say what you will about the live guys but it, it, it is better for the game of golf to bring these guys together even if it is four times a year for the majors but it's better to have them on the
1: same tour as well
2: yes so we're not for the there game yet. of golf sadly but, we're not there
1: no yet. no but we know what the masters is and the masters it, is about the masters definitely and they'll
2: take care of what their field is every time speaking of bringing everybody together we wanted to spread a little bit of holiday cheer so how about this we have a holiday hoodie giveaway say that 10 times fast hey holiday hoodie giveaway here is how to win a festive edition i'm a friend hoodie donate to your local food bank and you got to send us a photo for proof of entry follow us at tim and friends we will pick a winner at random uh that is one way to spread some holiday cheer so hold on hold on hold on hold on Did you
1: iron it? Jimmy Mohawk. Mohawk Jimmy. Yes. Uh, Sorry. Reached out and said to us, hey, I've got an idea how to to give away some of these hoodies Mm -hmm. and sent us the idea of giving them away to people who have donated to the food bank. So what we'll do here, if you send us a photo of your dropping off any sort of non-perishable at a food bank and or donate to the food bank, we will put your name into a draw and pull out a name and give away this. Yeah, party. it's yeah. not its not even us spreading the cheer. It's really Jimmy. Right. It's Jimmy Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy came up with the idea, and we thought, you know what? That's a wonderful idea. We've got one more of these left
2: over, so why not give it away to someone? Love who- it. Kudos to Jimmy. Thank you, Jimmy. It. Good luck to everybody. Yeah, appreciate it. Hopefully you win that.
1: All right, uh, coming up, Nick Kiprios drops by for our Tuesdays with Kipper, plus... A playoff rematch and potential playoff preview again. Leafs lightning, kids. Also visit the rink in Winnipeg. Blake Wheeler hitting the IR. Nate Schmidt out and smoke a fire with our friend Kipper as we discuss what moves may be coming to Vancouver. That's all coming up next on Tim and Friends. Go donate some food, take a picture, send it to us, and you can walk away with a hoodie as well. Tim and
0: Friends, time for Tim and Friends. And
5: now, time for real sports talk with Tim McCallum and
1: friends of the show. Thank you very much, Sheepdogs. dogs, back here. Final half an hour on Tim and Friends. Nick Kiprios in studio. We will do smoke or fire in a mere second from now. But before handing it off to Hockey Central at six thirty, Kipper and I will get to business. So pitter patter, let's get at her. What's on the slate today? Well, the Leafs hosting the Lightning tonight at Scotia Bank Arena. The Leafs have dropped two straight after that lengthy point streak with the Lightning rounding into form they've won five in a row and seven of their last eight. With more let's head live to the rink and check in with Jesse Fuchs. Jesse what's
0: going on. Not too much, guys. Happy holidays. Always festive when the Leafs and Lightning get together. Cali Yarncroak is going to make his return to the lineup for the Leafs. He missed seven games with a groin injury. If you remember, the Leafs did that Dennis Malgin trade to try to clear a path for him to get back into the lineup. And it looks like he's going to play on a line with Martyr and Tavares. So a chance for Yarncroak to make an impact. Michael Bunting took a puck to the face at practice yesterday. A little blood, a couple stitches, but he's a tough Scarborough boy. He's going to play tonight. It's expected that Matt Murray will be between the pipes and guys we had a Morgan Riley sighting this morning of course he's on LTIR with a knee injury just put in some light work skating on his own Sheldon Keith said he's still a ways away but nevertheless still good to see Riley on the ice this morning guys
1: Jesse obviously this is a playoff rematch but a lot of people also pointed to the fact that this is a, a potential playoff preview as well is there any talk of that today around the arena
0: there absolutely is. Guys, I know it's weird. There's like 50 games left, but this is a playoff preview. We'll explain in a second. But of course, this is Tampa's first trip back to Toronto since game seven of last year. It was a topic that John Cooper was asked about earlier today.
5: I don't care what anybody says about
1: our playoff series against the Leafs last year. That, was, uh, that could have gone either way. And it's, uh, fortunately, it went our way. But it's, they're tough games to play, and you know, Boston's obviously Kind of in another level right now. Um,
0: But it can be daunting sitting here saying you got 50 games left, but knowing that if you keep playing the way you're playing, you know, we might be visiting the team next door uh, again in in April. And when you listen to John Cooper speak, It just sounds like he's expecting Leafs and Lightning again this spring. And, guys, I know it's weird. We're not even at the halfway point, but you have to look at the Atlantic division standings. I know it's a little early for a standings look, but just take a peek at it. The distance between Boston, Toronto, and Tampa and the rest of that division, that gap is already getting pretty wide. And as we know, even a gap of 7 to 10 points, even with half the season to make it up, can be a tough, you know, hole to close and especially when you're trying to catch the likes of those top three teams boston toronto tampa make up three of the top seven records in the entire nhl boston is a mile ahead of everybody you know in first place atop the pile so yeah I'm saying it, this is a first round playoff preview. It looks like Tampa and Toronto are going to be locked together once again, and it makes me want to ask a thousand questions about the <laughs> NHL's playoff format, but we need more time for that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yes, we do. And here we go again, Jesse. Uh, not only three of the top seven, three of the top five in the Eastern Conference, and they will play each other in the first two rounds. All right, thanks for this. <laughs> Appreciate it as always, my friend. No problem, guys. There's Jesse Fuchs down. At Scotiabank Arena in Toronto. As for Winnipeg, it is the Jets hosting the Sens tonight. Now, Connor Hullabuck missed the morning skate with a non-COVID illness as the Jets recalled goalie Arvid Holm from the AHL on an emergency basis. Meantime, Blake Wheeler put on IR, announced he'll miss uh, over the weekend. He'll miss around a month after undergoing groin surgery. Nate Schmidt also out for an extended period of time, so the Jets will have... To grind through it for a while. With more on that, Sean Reynolds in Winnipeg. Sean.
4: Yeah, Tim, there's no doubt the Winnipeg Jets have been built in the image of their head coach, Rick Bonus, especially in his refusal to lean on excuses when times get tough. And no doubt, times are tough in Winnipeg right now as the injury bug has fully made its way into their dressing room. Now, the Jets have not only survived but thrived through all of those injuries, based on them diving into their AHL affiliate, Manitoba Moose, to Plug the holes that keep getting punctured in this lineup, but you get the sense this team is white knuckling its way through the rest of this schedule, just trying to get to the Christmas break and more importantly, a few days rest. Yeah, every team kind of goes through the the grind of the schedule, and you know we're right in And obviously, we're we're looking forward to a few days off coming up here, but uh, three day or three games in the next four days, and you know all against real quality opponents. So um, it's going to be important that we, we find a way to close out these next three and. Um, You know, bank some more points before our break. As for the Jets' opponent, the Ottawa Senators, they come into this game red hot. Why, you ask? Well, according to defenseman Travis Hamannock, a lot of this team's leadership group are young players, and young players need time to learn the lessons you need to learn at the NHL level. Well, the feeling in the dressing room is a lot of those lessons have already been learned, and this team is suddenly far more capable than it was a few months ago and ready to make a push as the season wears on. Tim.
1: Thank you very much, Sean. And by the way, don't put the Senators on the power play. Uh, Flames taking on the Sharks in San Jose as they go back to back in Shark Town. You can catch it regionally. Sportsnet West later tonight, Jacob Markstrom appears to be the starter. Well, is Chris Tanev questionable to return to the lineup? Defenseman Dennis Gilbert has been placed on IR after what was a pretty damn good fight with Nick DeSimone recalled Kipper you see that fight over the weekend.
5: I don't watch fights anymore. (laughs) That was too violent. That that was
1: uh, well he ended up on the IR. He took a shot at the end of that with Gadzovich who is a tough customer but that was an old school toe to toe bout between those two. I love you coming back in here. And we go toe to toe with a little smoker fire and talk some hockey.
5: Loving Tuesdays. <laughs> nice.
1: you uh,
2: all set? All set, buddy
1: the the that. 3 games in 4 days for the Jets. I just as as Adam Lowry said that, I started thinking like this is a real test for them. Yeah. You lose Schmidt, you lose Wheeler, and now we hear that Hullabuck, yes. non-covid illness. Like this is going to be a real test
5: for and them. And you you look at what's going on around the league, especially in the Pacific Division where there's as many as seven guys making over $5 million with a save percentage under 900. So uh, Hellebuck what he's doing uh, the fact that they've got 20 wins already under their belt that's enough to maybe give them a little bit of a cushion if they do falter a little bit because of these injuries but an incredible story that doesn't get enough uh, uh, just due for them uh, so far this season.
1: Yeah, especially uh, in these parts. So the Leafs and Lightning, and we get John Cooper again talking about, I don't know if it was quite handshake line stuff yeah. that we heard
5: last sure. year. He loves coming oh, into this market. Yeah. And just just kind of work little, in the media. A little bit. Oh,
1: yeah. Without a doubt. So what do, you, what do you make of this? Is this a big I mean, it feels, feels weird to have you know, three of the top five teams meeting in the first two rounds. But this is just the way it
5: is. Yeah, it is. And, you know, whether or not we're talking about a game in November or or now or in April, you know, Tampa Bay still that team that's – one year removed after back-to-back Stanley Cups. They are the Goliath. The Leafs are the David. The Leafs need to sh- have a good showing tonight just to kind of maintain the, the momentum of so far, the turnaround since that, uh, that road trip in California to start the season. Mm-hmm. It's not the be-all, end-all tonight, but you want to go into the Christmas break feeling good, and Sheldon Keefe has reiterated that. I, I anticipate the Leafs giving Tampa a good showing tonight. And they go on
1: that run... We're 15 straight with a point and then lose two in a row all of a sudden you see Morgan Riley on the ice today like there's there might be a need for a little pick me up and you lose this one all of a sudden people start talking again like this this seems like an important game even though it's November and even though most people say nothing matters for the Leafs until the playoffs
5: yeah and and Matt Murray goes back in tonight yeah. and it seems like they've come down to earth just a tad but it's not one of those things that you you like to see snowball again over the Christmas break so you know Matt Murray and to uh, keep them uh, within an arm's length if the game gets, uh, you know, if they get behind uh, the eight ball here a little bit. But, uh, you know, I anticipate a really good hockey game tonight. Uh, And, again, Tampa coming in, playing exceptionally well. The Leafs, for the most part, so far, a good five and a half, six weeks, despite a couple of losses. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one.
1: Uh, Leafs play their next gen game on Thursday, which is an afternoon affair. So we'll come on after that game on Sportsnet Ontario and provide the post game. So it's the Lightning tonight, the Flyers on Thursday. Uh, speaking of the Flyers and where they might end up, which is probably in the lottery, did you see Connor Bedard last night playing for Canada yeah. against Switzerland? I mean, there are a couple of moments there. Where he just displays like next level skill. This one along the boards. Yeah, I love this one. Through the he, legs. He
5: just does not lose any momentum coming off the wall. Uh, I would have had a blinker on, everybody would have known <laughs> I was turning. Not this guy. Uh, fantastic, and uh, I, I, I assume we'll see a lot of that in the next couple of weeks.
1: Uh, this other one here, where he gets into the little battle, and this was after the through the legs move and the setup for Ottman. A little tickle under the chin,
5: maybe the neck guard there. Like, <laughs> what, what's going on here? If a guy had a tickled you in the <laughs> oh, world, oh my years. God! I, I don't care what this number twenty-one does the rest of the tournament. Yeah. Nothing would have trumped. Uh, a, a punch to his head right there. And then in there. If he wanted to make a name for himself, yeah. he had ample opportunity there. I wondered uh, if they played junior together, if <laughs> they
0: knew I, each other. I don't like, know.
5: Yeah, I was... But I don't know. In any era, no one's tickling me under there.
1: <laughs> under the chin. Maybe me because my second neck. Uh, all right. So uh, that wasn't the only play that he made. He also went end-to-end and then the setup for Shane Wright. And for me, they, like once – you make the move, everyone's kind of in awe. The reaction he gets from Shane Wright, who scored this goal and has played in the NHL this year, yeah. to me says it all.
5: Yeah, just a wow. Yeah. And how old are you again?
1: Right. So is there any doubt in your mind that that's the number one overall pick? Uh, I mean, it seems like they, a deep draft. Yeah, but
5: there, yeah. there's, there's centermen involved as well, and Bedard can come in as a centerman as well, I'm, I'm told. But uh, yeah, listen, uh, it's deep, and it's causing teams to rethink about the back half of their season, I'm sure many yeah. of them. Uh, Chicago Blackhawks, uh, Montreal Canadiens. Uh, there's a lot of fan bases, I think, excited about the thoughts of having this guy. Uh, in your uniform
1: okay well that's going to be the start of smoke or fire it's Mm. time now for our weekly segment where I give Kipper some rumors and some notes we've been hearing in and around the Uh NHL see if there's anything to them we call it smoke or fire pretty simple smoke means not much there we're okay fire means it's legit you ready Kipper I'm ready Jesse you ready I'm ready Canada you ready we begin with Connor Bedard smoke or fire the
5: Canucks should tank for Connor Bedard, uh, will or should <laughs> both? Okay, uh, no smoke. smoke. I, I don't. I, I don't see what they've gone through in the last six, eight weeks, especially Jim Rutherford, his comments, the challenges on uh, his head coach, the system, all of that, to, to, to pull a 180 now and, and wash your hands from uh, the, the disappointment of the expectations is, is not realistic for me. And uh, I don't see the Vancouver Canucks turning around as early as uh, uh, after the Christmas break and all of a sudden starting to mail it in. That, that is not what I see moving forward.
1: Here's the comparison between Bedard and McDavid uh, in their draft years if you're wondering what he is doing wow. for the Regina Pats, uh, Pretty impressive. Now you said will, will they tank for Bedard? That was smoke. Should they tank for Bedard?
5: If, if they do, then uh, then a lot of people should lose their jobs right. because that's I not how you saying. set up going into the season and right. the decisions that you've made and the contract extensions uh, to Miller, uh, Brock Besser. Like, what are you doing here? Yeah. M- like, what kind of mi- mi- mix uh,
1: signals are you sending everybody? Right. All right. Let's stick with uh, with Vancouver and they might have been smoke signals, Kipper. Yeah. According to Elliot Freeman's Thirty Two Thoughts. Elias Pettersson is the only untouchable on the roster which makes everyone think, what about Quinn Hughes? Smoke or fire, Quinn Hughes is not a part of Vancouver's future.
5: Yeah, that's that's smoke. He's not going anywhere anytime soon. Let's not forget that he signed uh, recently a six-year, uh, $47 million contract. So if, if this is going to start going south on, on Quinn Hughes. It's not happening uh, in the foreseeable future. I, I think you, you got to start focusing in, uh, with with, with Pedersen. in terms of he's got a better chance of moving on from Vancouver. Only got
1: one year left on he's deal, only
5: right? got one year left on this deal. He's uh, only got one year left on this deal. I'm sure he's evaluating what he sees and whether or not he wants to put his name on a long-term deal uh, with a bit of a circus act going on right now in Vancouver. And that's the challenge, is convincing this guy that uh, he should remain an Untouchable for many mm. more years. This guy's in in a lot of control here with uh, a chance to re-sign on an extension as early as July, or waiting it out, mm-hmm. taking a qualifying offer of roughly $8 million and then pushing on in unrestricted free agency. He, to me, is, mm. I'd worry more if I'm a Vancouver Canuck about Petey leaving than Quinn Hughes. Interesting.
1: Uh, Last week, Jesse and I were in here working early upstairs, third floor, and uh, Nick Kiprios was trending in Canada, and it was because of a story that you had inked on the future of William Nylander. Now, coming off the 30-goal season, looks on pace to do it again. Uh, He will be in the final year of his contract, like Pedersen, at the end of next season, which means Extension talks could heat up this, smi- this, this summer. Excuse me, Smoker Fire. The Leafs won't be able to afford yeah. a Nylander extension.
5: It'll be really tough uh, uh, when you look at uh, the small kind of steps into a salary cap. Uh, in a couple of years, uh, they're projecting an 88 million. Uh, by then, you would have to have inked uh, Matthews and and uh, Nylander. The... The thing is, right now, is that uh, you know the elite status. Now he's gone to another level. I think he's put himself in conversations with Pasternak, with uh, Panarin, and some of the better wingers out there, uh, Johnny Hockey in, in Columbus. I'm a big fan, but that's a that's a that's a leap, is it not, to get to that level? Is, he's on pace for 40 plus goals and 90 points. Right, that's where he's at. And keep in mind that. If in fact that the Leafs are able to win a round here, he's going to play a big part of that. Yeah, he that, al- that alone yeah. would put him, I think, north of $10 million. If they lose in the first round, all bets are off, right? right? In terms of where, where you need to go sure. with this nucleus and who's in charge in making these decisions moving forward. But no question, if, if they win the first round, He's going to put himself wow. in a position to get uh, a real nice pay raise. All right, a couple more rapid fire to fit him in here. Tage Thompson's been on
1: fire. We've been saying that we need to give him a little bit of love on this show. No pun What's wrong oh, with you no guys? Pun yeah. So, uh, smoker fire. Tage Thompson is a 50 goal scorer. Tage Lemieux
5: is what we've been calling <laughs> I, <laughs> uh,
1: unbelievable. Some of these moves. And, and, yeah.
5: And born show. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I I I love watching this guy. Um, you know there are. Poor man versions of Mario Lemieux, and I think he fits the bill. And it, every once in a while, there's a one timer up the top of the circle that looks like a little bit of Ovechkin and, and Stamkos. He's just been a, a treat to watch. And yeah, if he stays healthy, I I don't see him uh, slowing down anytime soon. Silky mids, every goal, Silky mitts. Every yeah, goal. yeah. It's ridiculous. It's just that range and uh, the ability and to to move laterally. It's uh, it's been fun to watch.
1: Alright, one more for you. Kale McCarr made headlines last night when he convinced the referee that Matt Barzell did not trip him, leading to a penalty call being overturned. He declined the penalty, Kipper, yeah. first and ten. Uh, as went on to win 1-0 in a shootout. But
5: Kipper, as a former player, yeah. smoke or fire, Makar's teammates were like, "What?" Yeah, I don't know about his teammates. <laughs> like, we're talking about a guy that's—you uh, got people reminding him of of Bobby Orr. I mean, you really want to, as a teammate—you, this is the guy you question. You question me. You question 18 yeah. other guys. Yeah. Don't mess with this guy. Yeah. Um, but I, I think his his gut instinct was, you know, there's. 18 cameras in the building someone's gonna say something about uh, this not being a legit penalty and I milked it or you know I uh, you said after he's not gonna do it again yeah maybe I, I could see that yeah. as well like, yeah. it, hey listen I'm busy playing Bobby or here I, <laughs> I can't I can't do your job and make calls as well so yeah maybe a one-off there yeah Ovechkin
1: did it before we've seen it uh, a couple of times in the past but uh, definitely, I called it uh, peak Canadian. Like, that's a good Canadian All Yeah, all honesty. No, no, he didn't get me. Uh, Kipper, appreciate you dropping by and Always doing does. this with us. Uh, will, will, you, will you stick around for game time here? Yeah, absolutely. Let's all do right. it. Awesome. So Jesse Rubinoff will take over for game time. One last break. We will get you to it before sending you to Hockey Central right here. Tim and friends, Sportsnet, Sportsnet 360. Start your game day with Tim and friends because here's what we got on the network: Hockey Central in minutes. Then it's Rangers and Penguins, a rematch from last year's playoffs. Later, the Blues look for their fifth straight win as they take on the surprising Kraken in Seattle. That one's on Sportsnet One and on Sportsnet West regionally. Flames go back to back in the Shark Tank. As for us, it's game time. What time is
0: it?
5: Three,
2: Game time as we focus on the games you'll be watching tonight. And we begin with the Metro Division Showdown coming up on Sports Sunday. As you saw, the Rangers visit the Penguins. The Rangers have won seven straight games, while the Penguins had their seven-game winning streak snapped Sunday against the Canes. Now, Rangers forward Vincent Trocheck is from Pittsburgh. And Penguins beat reporter Michelle Creciolo tweeted that Trocheck had the entire Rangers team over to his house yesterday. And his grandma cooked everyone a big Italian dinner. The menu included chicken parm, pasta, and meatballs. So Kipper, I ask you this, what was the best team bonding experience you had during your yeah, playing Yeah, I used
5: to games? do that in junior hockey up in North Bay, American Hockey League with Hershey, and uh, took the Washington Capitals to uh, our family restaurant up in Markham, uh, oh, nice. Peter's. And uh, the key in all of that is you cannot lose the next game because you will get blamed 100 percent right. right now how many times did you get blamed yeah probably at least once a year for sure <laughs> so what was i cost on the- i cost two points for sure <laughs> what was on the menu oh, pasticcio pasticcio. yeah you know the heavy on the uh the cheese <laughs> right
2: that'll slow you down a little <laughs> bit isn't that what players <laughs> yeah. used to have like players used to have italian food before games like or at least
5: carbs right I, you know it It's such a a personal thing. It's it's steak, chicken. Uh, Some guys stay away from that. I went with the rubber chicken. Yeah, you went with the rubber chicken. Often, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The Flames
1: played in the second of consecutive games in San Jose, as I mentioned, after beating the Sharks 5-2 on Sunday. Elias Lindholm had two goals and an assist in the win as they try and get that offense flowing. The game featured. Listen, I know Kipper, you said you don't watch fights anymore, mm-hmm. but this one between yeah. Dennis Gilbert and Jonah Gadzavich, Uh Kipper, was this the fight of
5: the year? You know, we're, we're just, uh, we've yeah, seen ex- so many Kipper big hits.
0: With Jonah as they come together.
5: Go ahead, Kipper. Uh, I was just saying, like, you a- know, a think a- about a- the big hits that we're starting to see again. Uh, yeah. In the not- open ice hits and you just there's just not that many guys like this around the league anymore we we used to have three on each team think about that for a second yeah and now um, you know for obvious reasons the game's changing it's going in a different direction fourth liners look closer to first liners. Yeah. My era, we looked like sixth liners.
1: <laughs> we <laughs> were in the other direction. Like Gilbert played at Notre Dame. Yeah. And like I, I looked at his numbers. He's never had more than 70 penalty minutes in his career at any level. And he's out there taking on one of the heavyweights. Like it's just you don't see it as much anymore. And because of it, I mean, the, he's on the IR now, right? Like. He took a little bit of a shot at the end of this.
5: There's so much adrenaline here at this point and I'm not sure whether or not he really thought he'd end up doing this or not or it was a a split second decision. Yeah. Uh, But you want to try to make a name for yourself. You want to prove something to your teammates your coach what you're willing to do. Yeah. In many ways it does go a long way for it. certain guys. That, that looks like an orbital one to me, but I'm I won't play a doctor on it.
2: Does, does that adrenaline wear off in the in the five minutes that you're kind sit of in sit the in the box? The
5: box uh not, doing much? not 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 in that instance. Right. You you, you probably didn't fall asleep till about four AM okay. from the adrenaline. Yeah. Right.
2: Uh, okay, uh the Leafs getting set to battle the Lightnings tonight, set. as we've talked about, and today the team posted this video of a different kind of battle as the Leafs players faced off in Wrap battles with a W, with each player given 60 seconds to wrap a gift. For both of you, I ask this on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate your gift wrapping skills? We'll start with you, Kipper.
5: On a scale of one to 10, a, a zero. I can't even <laughs> fold a shirt, okay?
2: <laughs> well, well, hold on a second here.
1: This is why gift bags were invented. <laughs> Are we all not gift bag with a little tissue paper on top and we're good to go now? That That should be the way you go.
5: Oh, yeah, or you can do it you, like yeah. my parents. Uh, go to the go to the closet. Your your gifts in the closet.
1: <laughs> Timmy, in a, in a paper bag
5: over by the corner. <laughs> yeah. Your gifts will be over there. That's how I got the Phil and Tony Esposito uh, game.
2: <laughs> so you just said, Timmy, that uh, you just you used the gift bag. So you, out of out of ten, you're uh, you're low, I'm assuming. Then I, I'm I'm a de- like I can
1: I can do better than that. I can do better than both of those, um, but. Let's be honest here, the gift bag was invented for men like us who can't wrap, don't wrap, and want to get it done as quickly yeah. as possible. The, the Kiprios family would have had a gift bag back in the day, right? In for sure. Closet. For sure. And the <laughs> tissue helps too. Oh, the tissue makes <laughs> really it look really dresses nice. it up nicely.
5: <laughs> Unless you stuff it in there like me.
1: <laughs> yeah, they, we've, everything has been solved by the gift bag. Yeah. We no longer have no, to. So who won this I thing? I can't wrap anything either. Looks that's like Bunting is really struggling there. <laughs> oh, well, they oh, gave that's, him tough. that's, that's a tough yeah, one. I gave him an
5: order wrap. Yeah.
1: yeah. Good for him. And it wasn't Bobby. Kipper, thanks for doing this.
5: Hey, uh, quick shout out for my dad who yeah. turned 89 today. 89 yeah. today. Happy birthday, dad.
1: Happy birthday, Papa Kipiros. Thanks, Jesse. Appreciate this. We'll talk to you again tomorrow, everybody. Hockey Central next.